Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight, we're going to get into Hosea chapters 3 through 14. We're going to finish up the rest of that book. As always, and we find this with every legit prophet, right? As always, it's about repentance. I mean, the general gist of it all is about repentance. That is what a prophet's job is. Both doesn't matter, both BC or AD doesn't matter. It's the same job. It's the same word of God. The kingdom of God, typically speaking, in the Gospels, does not refer to a political kingdom, a political earthly kingdom. The kingdom of God refers to the coming of God's presence and power reign in your life. Yeshua said in Matthew 16, uh, the last part of Matthew 16, that some of you, he was speaking to his disciples. He said, some of you will not die until you see the kingdom of God coming with great power. In the very next chapter in Matthew 17, that was fulfilled. You'll see that in Mark as well. You'll see that fulfilled in the other gospels. Right before or I should say right after that, okay, right after Jesus said, some of you will not die until you see the kingdom of God coming with great power. He took some of them, namely Peter, James, and John, up the Mount of Transfiguration, and he was transfigured, and Moses and Elijah showed up as well. The kingdom of God appeared. They saw the kingdom of God in power, in glory, okay? Transfiguration, that's the kingdom of God. To seek God in his presence, to be like Jacob and to say, Lord, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm going to pray all night if I need to, whatever it takes. I'm going to pray. I'm just not going to, I'm going to worship. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to press in. I remember years ago, one of my old buddies said that he he would do so even driving. You know, he would put on some some music or some of the word of God, and he would just worship God as he's driving. I remember he said to me, he said, as I'm driving, it's like he feels like putting his hand through the roof to praise God. And this was a staunch Baptist, okay? <laughs> this was a staunch denominational mainstream Baptist that told me this. He's like, you know, I put on some praise and worship music as he's driving and he's just so enraptured in God. He feels like putting his hand through the roof to praise God. That's like the kingdom of God coming. That's like experiencing the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness is what he declares. See, a lot of people don't understand this. They say that his righteousness means you know, if, if as long as you believe God, as long as you believe in Jesus, well, everybody believes in Jesus. As long as you believe in Jesus, uh, you have his righteousness because that's all you got to do is just believe. You know, first John chapter three, verse seven makes it very, very clear. Uh, those who practice or in some translation it would say those who do what is right is righteous. So that is his righteousness. You take his word, you take his instructions, and you put it into action. You realize it. You manifest it. You act on it. That is his righteousness. Because what you're doing is you're trusting in God 
You're trusting in the Lord because you're saying, Lord, I trust what you say to be right and true. And you said, if you said I'm supposed to do this and not to do this, I'm going to say a yay and amen to that. And I'm going to manifest that in my life. And I'm going to practice that righteousness. I'm going to practice that righteousness. I'm going to do that righteousness. And because I practice that righteousness, because I do that righteousness, therefore, I am righteous. According to 1 John 3, 7, those who practice, those who do what is right. Everybody has their own standard of what is right. Everybody is right in his own eyes, as it says in, in the Proverbs, right? Even the most wicked of wicked men that have, have ever lived, they were right in their own eyes. They were justified in their own eyes. But that was their righteousness. It's not God's. God's righteousness is when you, when you listen to what he says is right and wrong, and you, uh, you take that, you absorb that. That becomes part of your life. You live that. You breathe that. You, you live in him, you live and you move and you have your being. Now, you can't live and move and have your being in him if you're not cooperating with his word, with his instruction. So to seek first his kingdom is to do what, what Jacob did. Lord, I'm pressing into you. I need you. I want you. I like David. I I seek the kingdom of God. I seek I seek to behold the beauty of the Lord. 27 verse 4. Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Wow. One thing. That will I seek after, right? Seek ye first that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. Now, this is, I believe, you know, speaking, figuratively speaking, to dwell in the house of God, to be where he is, at least spiritually speaking, to behold the beauty of the Lord, right? That's what happened on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw the kingdom of God. They beheld the beauty of the Lord. Jesus was transfigured before them. They saw Moses and Elijah and probably saw the great glory of God shining like the sun, as it says in Revelation, how the, the, the glory of God is like the light of the new Jerusalem. That's part of the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple to inquire in his temple. So that's really what it means. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, according to 1 John 3, 7, and God will look after everything else. Remember, it says in the scriptures, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So Lenny Gurley, Awesome question. Certainly is not a dumb question. It is a very, very good question. Thank you for asking. See what else we have here in the chat before we dive into our scripture reading today. Fearfully Confident uh, asked me a question. What can we pray for you about? Fearfully Confident, I really appreciate this question. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I, Jen, like, uh, pray for wisdom. Pray for knowledge. Pray for favor. Pray for mercy from God. I mean, you know, um, just pray that God would use me. I mean, I want, I want to, uh, to fulfill 
everything that God has for me, through me, um, to open my mouth and to speak the word of God, um, to always stay in the right place with God, to be there, to be humble, always, um, to be strong. I appreciate that, Fearfully Confident. Thank you. Um, Pamela says, wow, didn't know that was live music. Yes, yes, that was live music. Lord willing, one of these days, I'm thinking about this, okay? I'm kind of thinking out loud right now. So I, 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 don't, I don't like to make promises I, I, you know, I can't fulfill. So this is something I can fulfill, but I just, I just need, I just, <laughs> just got to do it at the right time and make time for it. Uh, one of these days, I, I will team up with Hannah. We will sing together or I will play. Uh, I got my guitar here and, uh, and let me play a song that I just to stay away from some of the copyright issues and, and such. So Lord willing, I'll do that sometime and hopefully more, more often as well. Thank you, Pamela. Great Deception says it's true. I've been blessed many times over since I've been seeking and Seeking his righteousness. Wow. And to that, yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. I got to say, yes. Me too. Yeah. Can't complain. Alex says, Shalom. Shalom, Alex. Good to see you. Blessings, brother. Very good. Uh, the Great Deception says, I worked seven days a week for almost 18 years trying to keep the Sabbath, sometimes only an hour or two. Then, Yahweh made a way uh, since only six days of work, uh, since only six days of work for, for about, about nine years now. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And the same thing, maybe um, I'll try that with Lenny Gurley as well. Just pray. Pray about that. Pray that God would um, would give you more time, that something would happen, would open doors for you. Uh, perhaps a, 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 another job, perhaps another source of income, uh, something like that. Just keep praying, keep praying. You know, uh, Yeshua said that um, you got, we got to be, sometimes we got to be um, persistent and consistent in prayer. And then um, God will answer. God will answer. Psalm 94 says, one thing I have learned is the fact that God is your source, not your job. Wow, that's that's a powerful one for sure. Um, the Lord will take care and provide for His people. Not that we should not that we should not work, but just something to keep in mind. Yes, absolutely. Jamie, Jamie, good to see you, brother. Welcome, blessings. Um, would you mind quoting that scripture instead of like? I mean, I, I appreciate you. You referenced some of this stuff. Um, Quoting it just makes it, it helps me out. It helps me out, brother. Quoting it, that way I'm not always stopping and getting everybody to wait while I'm looking up. That's it right there, Jamie. Um, Let no man deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Awesome. Absolutely. Anthony, um, how do you get answered prayer based on scriptures, including Apocrypha? I want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and would like your guys' advice to bear fruit in abundance. Um, okay, so I'm going to say something that's controversial. That's why I paused here for a second. I'm going to say something that's controversial. So uh, one thing that helped me, and I believe was baptized in the Holy Spirit, was this book Was this book here I read. Now, this may, may be 
maybe as much of a blessing to you as it was to me. Um, again, I get nothing for referring, uh, for, for doing this. Okay. I don't get a penny from this, any sales of these books at all, just as a brother to brother, heart to heart, um, talk, uh, reading this book back in August of 1992 really, really impacted my life. And I believe I was baptized in the Holy spirit, uh, when I read this book, it's a small, very, very thin book. It's a less, it's 48 pages. Uh, you can read it in one sitting. I read it in one sitting. It's got, uh, steps to freedom in Christ, seven steps to freedom. Each step gives you a scripture, a testimony and a prayer. Um, and I went through all those steps. And at the end, the last prayer was, it, it was a prayer. I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. When I prayed that prayer, I had an experience that I never knew about. I've never heard anybody ever talk about it before. I did not expect it. It was a surprise to me when I prayed that last prayer. What happened was after I prayed that last prayer, and the last prayer, I mean, just paraphrase, and let me just paraphrase it. The last prayer is like, okay, Father, since I have um, canceled the ground of the enemy, since I have um, repented of all of these things and all these all, all these steps that I went through, I've, I've repented, I've made, I have basically, I've cleaned my house, I've set the table and I open the door and I invite you in. I didn't, I didn't know at all what was about to happen to me. When I prayed that prayer, I was on my knees at the side of my bed. I was 18 years old at the time. I felt something leave me, and I felt the Spirit of God come into me. It was the first time in my life I felt full, really full. I thought, wow, I have never, ever, I didn't even know I was empty before. I did not know. It's like I was shocked, literally shocked for the first time. And I, 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 I could sense the Spirit of God moving within me and pouring out of me from my belly, up, out, uh, like pouring out of me from my belly. And then I thought, wow, I know exactly what Jesus meant when he said, when the Spirit of God will, will flow like rivers of living water out from your belly. I thought, I've read that so many times, but I've never experienced it. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. Like, what in? The, I, I was really shocked. Now, I didn't receive, like, I, you know, I believe I was filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, and that kind of thing. Now, at that, at that time, I did not receive any kind of, you know, manifestation of speaking in tongues or anything like that. I don't believe that everybody, I don't believe that's for everybody. I believe that that happens sometimes, but it's not for everybody. Okay. Not every part of the body is a tongue. Not every part of the body is an eye. Not everybody is a seer. Not everybody is a, is a mouthpiece for God. Sometimes you can be a hand. You can do the works of God quietly. I mean, there are many parts of the, of the body. Okay. What I would, what I would, the advice I would give you, Anthony, is, Spend some quality time with God. Get on your knees and pray. Ask God to show you if there's anything in your life that shouldn't be there. Anything in your life, anything you're doing, 
okay? Filthy language, smoking, hatred, bitterness, holding a grudge against somebody, unforgiveness, um, any kind of involvement in the occult or witchcraft or, or I mean, I'm not sure. You're probably not doing any of that, Anthony. You know, I'm, God will show you if you are sincere, if you are honest with God, and you really, really humble yourself before God, he will lift you up and he will forgive you and he will fill you with his spirit. But clean, do what I did. Clean house first, physically and spiritually. I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe there's things around your house physically, your home, physically, wherever you live, your car, the music you listen to, the things you have, the books you have, whatever. I mean, it could be anything. Ask God to show you if there's anything that is not, that he doesn't, he's not very pleased with. Clean house and then clean heart. Repent. I'm not talking about just feeling sorry. I'm talking about turning from your sins and asking the Father to fill you with his spirit after all is cleaned out. I mean, hey, you know, you got to set, if, if the king of, you know, if the king's coming to your place, okay, if the queen of England or something is coming to your house or something, if a king or a queen or some honored um, royalty is going to visit your house, your home, your apartment, wherever you are, if you have any respect for that king, or queen, or royalty, you're going to be cleaning up first. Hey, come on in. It stinks in here. It's a mess. <laughs> you know? No, you're going to be cleaning up. You're, you're going to be, you want to make everything look spick and span. You want to set the table just right. Do that for God. Clean up. That's what, that's what this book helped me do. When I was 18 years old, that's what this book helped me do. Seven steps to freedom. It's seven steps to, um, <laughs> To cleaning for me. That's what it was. That's what it was all about. Um, and I mean, I know people personally that have also read this book and applied everything that's in it, like wholeheartedly, sincerely, went through every step and prayed every step, focused, constant, uh, constant, uh, um, concentrated on 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 the prayers and on you know on each step and they also received a wonderful experience as well now you don't really need this book you got you got the scriptures this book helped me out though i mean i'm telling you um you got the scriptures just ask god what is it that i need to repent of what is it that i need to change and that's what i mean by repent change stop doing or clean whatever you got to do um and ask God to, to fill you with the Spirit after you're ready. Do everything you can do. Whatever you can do, do everything you can do. God will, God will help you with the rest. Excellent question, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, oh, I see we got, uh, let me see what we got here. All of a sudden, this thing just, all right. Going nowhere. Um, Christopher, how old do you think Adam and Eve were when they were created? Now, again, these kind of questions, 
I I think you're asking me how because when they were created, they were zero, they were zero years, zero days old when they were created. You know what I mean, right? So I mean, I, but I I, th- I know what you mean. You mean like how were they created as a baby, or were they created as a child? Were they created as a fully developed uh, human being? I, I I believe they were created fully developed, fully fully developed. I can give you a year. Like, you know, like as if he was, you know, Adam and Eve were 25 years old or 16 years old or 30 years old or 33 years old. I couldn't give you a year, um, but I do believe they were fully developed and they were the, yeah, they were the best. They were the best. I created in the, in the prime of their life. Jamie, yes. And hereby, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He saith, I know him. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word, uh, in him is in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Yes, very good. First John 2, 17. And okay, so this would be Revelation 12, 17. Um, and the dragon was wroth with woman and went to make war. With her rem- with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Jamie. Because you see, there's no difference between the two. It's like, well, because today it's like, well, the Jews keep the commandments of God, and the Christians they have the testimony of Jesus. No, 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 no. Both of them are the same. <laughs> it's there's no there's no splitting the two. Yeah, very good. Revelation 19 verse eight. And to her was granted to to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Love it, Jamie. Revelation 14, 12. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Love it. Mark says, Shalom. Shalom, Mark. Good to see you. Okay, so we got a question from Andal. Forgive me if I mispronounce your name. Anduamlak, Anduamlak. Hope I got that right. Is who is Yeshua? Is he not God? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay, so I get this. I mean, you know, what I should do is I, I should make a video like specifically about this because I get this all the time. This questions all the time. When I when you say is he God, it mean that means many things to many different people. Many things to many different people. To most people, they believe that that means that you're saying that he is the father. Okay. Again, this, this, I hate to split hairs here, but I mean, uh, so Jesus is not the father. He is the son of the father. Okay. And let me, let me, let me ask you a question. Anduamlok. Anduamlok. Let me ask you a question. Because you see, most of, the passages of scripture that Christians use to prove that Jesus is God is taken from the, the Gospel of John. Okay? Most of them, not all of them, I know, but most of them are. Let me ask you a question, Anduamlok. And I'm looking for a very precise answer answer. I'm looking for a precise answer. Generally speaking, in the entire scope of biblical scholarship in the Christian world, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, 
almost all of these scholars will tell you that Mark was the first one that was written. Um, most of them say it's around 70 AD. That's 40 years after Jesus. 40 years after he walked this earth in the flesh. It's not like, it's not like Mark was there with a the pen and paper following Jesus around recording everything that was going on. That did not happen. 40 years, like a whole generation after. Mark. And I, I, you know what? There's actually a scholar I listened to um, there uh, a couple nights ago. There's a scholar, and I, I'd like to get this scholar on here, actually, on the live stream. And uh, this, um, this scholar believes that Mark was actually written and Matthew, Luke, and John were written in the second century. And again, Mark would be the first and Matthew and Luke would be written in the middle, you know, and the, John was written in the late, late part of the second century. Um, and this particular scholar has reasons to believe that. Okay. So, I mean, but generally speaking, we have, most scholars believe that Mark was written 40 years after, approximately 40 years after Jesus was crucified, rose again and ascended. Approximately 10 years after that, Matthew and, and Luke were written, using Mark as, as a source. Approximately another 10 years after that, the Gospel of John was written. We have Mark, Matthew, and Luke that were all written, and they were written from 70 AD through nine, to about 90 AD, 85, 90 AD, okay? Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't have, they don't have any of the I am sayings of the Gospel of John. There were many people who lived and died in those days without ever reading any of the God, without ever reading the Gospel of John. This is New Testament church. Mark didn't say a word about it. Mark didn't say, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the gate. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am that I am. Mark said nothing, not even a hint, not a whisper of it. None of the I am sayings is in Mark. None of the I am sayings is in Matthew. None of the I am sayings is in Luke. Why not? Anduamlach, why not? I'm looking for a precise answer. Why? Did they forget? Is it not, is it not important to know? I mean, again, I'm looking for, I'm asking an honest question. I'd like to see some, some evidence here. Was it an, did they forget? Then Mark, when he sat down, again, it's, it's, an, it's an anonymous author. A lot of people say, well, whoever this Mark was, they don't even know who Mark was. When he sat down to write the Gospel of Mark, I mean, he, he wrote, he wrote, you know, the story, the biography of Jesus. The first one, the closest one to the times of Jesus. If there was anybody that would remember a lot, it would have been Mark. He didn't mention any of those I am statements at all. Nothing. Not a one. Why not? I'm looking for an answer. Did he forget? Did he know, but he just, he didn't think it was important enough for anybody else to know? Was it made up later? 
and somehow crept into the Gospel of Mark. And by the, I mean the Gospel of John, uh, the I am statements. And by the way, again, uh, it's it's commonly believed among in the scholarly world, in the Christian scholarly world, that the Gospel of John was written by many different authors, several different authors, I should say. Um, and for the most part, it was not John, the disciple. It could have been another John, but not the disciple. Matthew, when he comes around, I love the I love the Gospel of Matthew, but he didn't write any any anything like Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life." Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth." Jesus said, "Before Abraham was, I am." Did Matthew not know? Did he know? But he thought, ah, it's not it's not important for anybody to know that. I mean, hey, those things, uh, that's just trivial stuff. I'll leave that out of my my gospel. Or was it something that developed later on and was recorded later on, made up in between Matthew and Luke in the time that the uh, Gospel of John was written? Okay. I'm looking for an answer um, on Dwemlock. I'm looking for an answer. Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their books individually from one another. I mean, they... I don't believe any of them ever even thought of it being included in the Bible. They were biographies, ancient biographies written by anonymous people. So looking for a good answer, um, looking for evidence. So question for move says there has been someone who debated someone. There has been someone who debated someone trying to prove that Jesus is stated to be God in the gospel of Mark. You'd have to twist and bend things quite a lot to, to get Jesus to, to, to say that he is God in Mark. You'd have, to, you'd have to do some very fancy hermeneutical backflips to, to, to pull that one off. Okay, let's begin. Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3. We have a little bit more to read tonight. Um, a little bit more than usual. Hosea chapter 3, then the Lord said to me, this is Hosea speaking. Now again, please, as I read this, let me just say this before I start, before I start reading this whole thing, you know, as I read the prophets, I cannot help but think of how it reads so different than something like, like the letters of Paul. Okay. Paul doesn't speak like this. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, or the, or the Lord said to me, or God spoke to me and said this. This is what the Lord God of Israel says, quote and unquote. God gave me a vision and showed me this and thus. Prophets, the Nevi'im, the prophets have way more authority than the Ketuvim. Quote, unquote, scriptures. Okay, Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, again, this is very clear, very authoritative. With quotes, the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet is committing adultery, as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So this is really weird, okay? So um, go again, love a woman. In the footnotes, Gomer. Okay? This is the same Gomer that we read of in I, uh, Hosea chapter 1. Okay, the harlot who is loved by her husband, her companion, 
and not so much literally her companion. I'm not sure why it says husband there. Uh, It should say companion, but she's not really married to him. Uh, Yet is committing adultery as the Lord loves the, the sons of Israel though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. Raisin cakes. In the footnotes, used in idolatry. Raisin cakes used in idolatry. Okay, again, uh, I mentioned this uh, yesterday. Uh, that in, you know, I, you know, I mentioned this in the last video that you know, this is a command that, at least on the surface, goes against the Torah. Okay? Um, but it serves a purpose greater than uh, a surface, a shallow purpose. It serves a purpose to, it's, it's, it's kind of like God's shock and awe campaign. It serves the purpose of God shocking and awing his people back to repentance. It's all about repentance. God is willing to bend over backwards to get people to repent. Verse 2, so I purchased her for myself for 15 shekels of silver. Seems like she's a harlot. And a homer and a letcat, or let, let that, let, excuse me, let that, let, let, let Okay, so that's an, a, a unit of measurement of barley. Then I said to her, you shall live with me for many days. You shall not play the prostitute, nor shall you have another man. So I will also toward you. For the sons of Israel will live for many days without a king or leader, without sacrifice or memorial stone, and without ephod or household idols. Afterward, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord, you sons of Israel, because the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Again, let me emphasize here how Hosea speaks with authority. Listen to the word of the Lord. Keep in mind that there are a lot of passages in the Bible that does not claim to be the word of the Lord, although man claims that it is. Okay, In this instance, it does claim to be the word of the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord, you sons of Israel, because the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. For there is no faithfulness, nor loyalty, nor knowledge of God in the land. There is oath-taking, denial, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Their land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes, along with the animals of the field and the birds of the sky, and even the fish of the sea disappear. Let me just, let me just stop here for a minute, okay? Uh, this is a very, very important concept. Why should you be concerned about the sins in your neighborhood? Because it can affect you. A lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, to each his own. I don't care what the neighbor does across the street. I don't care what the city does. I don't care what the nation does. I just know I'm good. 
not very wise. Because once you get God angry with the surrounding sin, it can affect a lot. It can affect the land. It can affect the animals. It can affect the fish. It can affect the plants. Ask Noah and his family. Ask Lot, Lot and his children who escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah. Ask them. The sins of the city, the sins of the nation can affect more than just their own personal lives. It can affect the elderly. It can affect the unborn. It can affect the little ones, the children. Remember, Yeshua, Jesus himself said, it is better for a person to tie a millstone around his neck and be thrown into the depth of the sea than to cause the little one to sin. You know how it is today. There is, there's so much going on today of people who are causing children to sin. Very, very sad, but true. Therefore, the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes along with the animals of the field and the birds of the sky, and even the fish of the sea disappear. Yet let no one find fault and let no one rebuke, for your people are like those who contend with a, with a priest. So you will stumble by a day. Excuse me. So you will stumble by day, and the and the prophet also will stumble with you by night. And I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Since you have rejected knowledge, I will also, I also will reject you from being my priests. Since you have forgotten. The law of your God, I also forget your children. You know, I got to stop here for a second, people. You know, this is so good. And this is something that, and this is a verse that a lot of Christians quote. In fact, they misquote it. Well, I mean, they, they partially quote it because they only, they only quote the first half of it, of course. You know, they cherry pick it. But um, um God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is why we do what we do today and, and nightly, daily. This is why we do what we do here. We want to be educated. We want to bless each other with each other's knowledge and, and read the scriptures and hear from God all afresh every single day. That's why. You know, Yeshua rebuked many people. Jesus rebuked many people for their lack of knowledge. Are you so dull? <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of that's the kind of language he used. That's the kind of lingo he used. Are you so dull? Do you not know? Have you not read? Like he expects people to do their homework. He expects people to do their studies. He expects people to use their God-given brains. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Since you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. 
since you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will get your children. Wow. You know, it, it, it amazes me so often where it's like, you know, you got, you know, this new worship song that came out. I mean, it's not that new. It's several years old. But, you know, um, The Blessing, right? Actually, it is, it's, pretty, it's pretty new. A few years old. You probably heard you probably heard that, or some of you probably heard there's a worship song that it is called The Blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. I would kind of sing it, but again, copyright issues. I gotta be careful. Uh so a lot of Christians, you look at you look at some of the uh hits that that song has gotten on YouTube. It's like, what is it, tens of millions within a short period of time. A lot of Christians love that song. Oh, they love it. Yes, of course they love it because it blesses them because it's all about blessing. But that's from the Torah. I thought you said the Torah is done away with. Hmm. I don't know about some of these people. Um, let's not. Let's not cherry pick. That's not cherry pick. You know, a lot of people say, well, you got to rightly divide the word of truth. Okay. Yeah. Again, there are Christians who use that term. There are Christians who use that term like all the time, you know? Christians use that term all the time. You got to rightly divide. You got to rightly divide. You got to rightly divide. Um, keep in mind that's, that's that particular phrase. That particular term, rightly divided, is only in the Bible once. Only once. Only once in, in, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, about 1,500 years. Only once. By one person, of course. Um, and, and today we got millions of Christians going around going, rightly divide, rightly divide, rightly divide. It's like, come on, let's, let's get into perspective. Let's not let let's keep the ratio the way it is in the scriptures. The ratio is very, very low. One person once said that in 1500 years. That's not to mention that the word rightly divide is wrongly translated. Because those two words, rightly divide, is translated from one Greek word. And that Greek word means to cut straight. Okay. So Paul wrote to Timothy. In fact, <laughs> let me just back that up a little bit because I mean, we're talking, you know, from this, from a scholarly point of view, uh, a lot of scholars, probably most, I believe I'm pretty safe to say that, believe that the pastoral epistles, including Timothy, were not written by Paul or not from Paul but that's a that's a totally different that's a totally different uh, subject but let's just assume that well, whoever's the author okay Paul or whoever it is um when he said to Timothy rightly divide the word of truth he literally what he was saying was he's like saying cut straight the word of truth what did that mean that didn't mean to pull out a machete or a sword and chop the Bible up. It's not what he meant. 
He didn't mean he didn't mean to butcher the word of God or to massacre the word of He didn't mean that. I believe it was a figure of speech that's very, very similar to our figure of speech today that is shoot straight. Shoot straight, Timothy. Tell the truth, man. Tell the truth. You know, when you're preaching, Tim, when you're preaching, Timmy, shoot straight. Tell the truth. Cut straight the truth. Has nothing to do with rightly dividing. Please, let's be informed of that. Talk about knowledge. We need to get knowledge. Especially the word of God that is forever settled in heaven. Psalm 119, verse 89. Cut straight the truth. In other words, shoot straight. Can you imagine today if I write someone a letter and say, hey man, like when you're preaching, just <laughs> shoot from the hip, man. Shoot from the hip. Shoot straight. 2,000 years from now, people will be going, hey, man, like that guy is talking. Let's shoot. Uh, what's he talking about? Is that an arrow or is that a, you know, what, is he talking about a, you know, a weapon? What kind of weapon is he shooting there? Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, let's not take, let's not be hyper literal. When, when Paul told Timothy to cut straight the word of truth, I believe he meant just to shoot straight. Just shoot straight. And I don't believe that has anything to do with shooting or cutting. I mean, it's just, just tell the truth, Timothy. Be bold. Get it out. Preach it. Joseph, over there on TikTok, are you still there? If you're still there, let me know, Joseph. I'd like to talk to you. All right. So let's, let's, go, let's continue. Hosea chapter 4. Verse 7, the more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me. I will change their, their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people. In the footnotes, the sin offering. Sin offering. Very, very interesting. You know what? Let's, let's just look at this in the Septuagint. This is uh, Hosea four eight because this is in this. We just let's just do this. Uh, Hosea four eight in the Septuagint. They will devour the sins of my people and will set their hearts on their iniquities. Quinn Anderson on TikTok says Jesus. Loves you. Have a blessed day. Well, thank you very much. Multiplied back to you. Um, let's 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 read this from the Tuagent, Hosea four six, the very very uh, famous passage here. My people are like as if they had no knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject you, and you shall not minister as a priest as priest to me, and as you have forgotten the law as and as you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. So it's very much very similar to um, what we read in the NASB here, based upon the Masoretic text. 
They feed on the sin of my people and long for their wrongdoing. Verse 9. And it will be like, excuse me, and it will be like pre, like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. Now this is this is this is it here. Like people, like priests. Okay. Uh, a lot of people today they believe that they can change their pastor. Okay. Change your pastor. I'll I'll be the I'll be the hero. I'll be the Messiah of my church. I will be the savior of our church. You know the pastor is 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 wrong about many things, and I'm I will just I'll fix him up. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to fix him up. You're not going to fix him up. Like people, like priests. Okay, so they're all the same. So I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat. They will eat, but not have enough. They will play the prostitute, but not increase. Because they gave up devoting themselves to the Lord. Infidelity, wine, and new wine take away the understanding. My people consult their wooden idol, and their diviner's wand informs them. For a spirit of infidelity has led them astray, and they have been unfaithful, departing from their God. They offer sacrifices on the tops of the mountains and burn incense on the hills. Their upper or under oak, poplar, and terebinth, because their shade is pleasant. Therefore, your daughters play the prostitute and your brides commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they play the prostitute or your brides when they commit adultery, because the men themselves slip away with the prostitutes and offer sacrifices with temple prostitutes. So the people without understanding are ruined. Though you, Israel, play the prostitute, Judah must not become guilty. Also, you are not to go to Gilgal, nor up to Beth Avan, Avain, and take the oath as the Lord lives. Since Israel is stubborn like a stubborn cow, I uh, will the Lord now pasture them like a lamb in a large field. Ephraim is, uh, is allied with idols. Leave him alone. Their liquor is gone. They, they prostitute themselves continually. Their rulers dearly love shame. The wind wraps them in its wings, and they will be put to shame because of their sacrifices. Hosea chapter 5. Hear this, you priests. Pay attention, house of Israel. Listen, you of the house of the king. For the judgment applies to you because you have been a trap at Mizpah and a net spread out on Tabor. And the rebels have gone deep in depravity, but I will discipline all of them. I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me because now Ephraim you have been unfaithful. Israel has defiled itself. Their deeds will not allow them to return to their God. A spirit of infidelity is within them, and they do not know the Lord. Moreover, the pride of Israel testifies against him, and Israel and Ephraim stumble in their wrongdoing. 
Judah also has stood with them. They will go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. They have dealt treacherously with the Lord, for they have given birth to illegitimate children. Now the new moon will devour them with their land. Blow the horn in Gibeah and the trumpet in Ramah. Sound an alarm at Beit Avain. Behind you, Benjamin, Ephraim will become a desolation in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel, I will I make known what is trustworthy. The leaders of Judah have become like those who dis- displace a boundary marker. On them, I will pour out my anger like water. Ephraim is oppressed, broken by judgment, because he has determined to follow man's command. Therefore, I am like a moth to Ephraim and like rottenness to the house of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his sore, Ephraim then went to Assyria and sent word to to King Yareb. King Yareb in the footnotes, or another reading is the great king or the contentious king. But he is unable to heal you. But he is unable to heal you or to cure you of your sore. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, yes, I will tear to pieces and go away. I will carry away and there will be no one to rescue. I will go away and return to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their distress, they search for me. Hosea chapter 6. Come, let's return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. Okay, let me just stop here for a second. This is very, very important to understand. God can tear you. God can send an adversary to you. For what reason? Why would he do that? Why would he send Satan to Job? To get him to repent. And Job did repent, and Job was blessed way more in the end than he was in the beginning. So in the long run, it was all for his good. When things go wrong in your life, and things go really, really wrong, it's like you got to ask a question, Lord, what is it? Is there something? What is it that's, that's causing this? Am I not in tune with you? Am I not in tune with your word? Am I disobeying you somewhere? Show me, Lord. Humble me. Humble me. Help me to be humble and listen to you and receive your grace. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. He has wounded us. Who? God has wounded us, in the the footnotes, struck us. But he will bandage us. See, there's hope. He has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. Very interesting. No, let me just say this. When you... uh, if you get into some of the things like how like we got Brother O'Neill who's into uh, 
comparing manuscripts and, um, you know, like the Dead Sea Scroll manuscript versus the Septuagint versus, uh, you know, the Masoretic text. And when you compare mes- um, different manuscripts, different manuscript families, sometimes you have differences. Like instead of it saying him, it would say I, or instead of it saying us, it will say I, or instead of it saying we, it will say him or her, something to that effect. So my point is this, he will revive us, could very well just as, could, could very well just as accurately read, he will revive him after two days. You know what I'm thinking? I know you guys know what I'm thinking. The resurrection of Yeshua. He will revive him after two days. He will revive me after two, two days. Or as it says here, he will revive us after two days. Just out of curiosity, just let's see what was, what's going on here in the Septuagint. So this is, um, so this is the Masoretic. He will, re- he will revive us after two days. The Septuagint reads, okay, after two days, he will heal us. In the third day, we shall arise and live before him, and we shall know him. Very interesting. Very interesting. See? And that could also, I know that somebody could say this as well. That could also be talking about Israel. Now, remember, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. Now, figuratively speaking. I mean, not not mathematically, but just roughly speaking, after 2,000 years, Israel came back. Don't forget, too, that Yeshua is a, is a reflection of Israel. And Israel, Israel is a reflection of Yeshua, too. So we got to take that into consideration as well. He will raise us up on the third day. Keep in mind, it doesn't say after three days, on the third day. And this is, again, too, talking about the timing when it comes to Yeshua's death versus his resurrection. In the culture, in that culture, in that day and age, any part of one day is is, in, is counted as one day. Any part of Friday is, 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 uh, is counted as one day. Any part of Saturday, all of it or any part of it is counted as one day. Any part of Sunday, any part of it or all of it is counted as one day. So three days. On the third day. That we may live before him. So let's learn. Let's press on to know the Lord. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Reminds me of, I can't help but, but bring this up. I can't help but bring this up because this is just so, this blesses me so much. This is it right here. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. This is Moses. Now, consider context this is in now, okay? So they 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 just went through the 10 plagues of Egypt. Awesome display of God's power. Moses being handpicked by God himself, the burning bush, hearing the word of the Lord, Mount Sinai, the whole nine yards, okay? I'm telling you, face to face with God, as it says in Numbers chapter 12. 
Mount Sinai, Moses is up on the mountain and the glory and the power is so strong and so powerful. And the voice of God is so majestic that the people say, you know, begged him, Moses, we can't, we can't stand this. Can you please go and talk to God by yourself? Because we, we're going to die. If we keep on hearing the voice of God like this, we're going to die. And keep in mind, Moses is like standing right in, he's right in the thick of it. He's right in the thick of it. He's right there. The people are not even, they're, they're, on, they're not even on the mountain. They're off the mountain. They're down, you know, over yonder. They're, they're not even, and even then they can't stand it. But Moses is right there face to face. Consider how much of the power of God that Moses experienced, how much of the glory of God that he saw, how much of the voice of God he heard directly. I'm not talking about just being you know, visions and dreams and yada, yada, yada. I'm face to face. I'm talking uh, like like it says in Exodus or Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12, where God says, I speak to Moses face to face, not like not like any of the other prophets. After all that, after experiencing all that, the dividing of the Red Sea, after experiencing all that, this is what this is what happened. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray. If I have found grace, look at how humble he is. If I have found grace in your sight. It's like, what do you mean, Moses? You were chosen from, like, you're the babe in the water that was saved miraculously and, and raised in the, in the household of Pharaoh. And, and you experienced all of this stuff, the, 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 the burning bush, all of the the great and mighty signs of God and the miracles and plagues of Egypt, the rod becoming the serpent, all of that stuff, the dividing of the Red Sea, the great and mighty majestic thing that happened on what he experienced all this thing, all of this, the majesty of Mount Sinai, chosen by God, and yet he says. Contrast that with to, to how Christians are today. Christians are so presumptuous and so full of pride and so arrogant, aren't they? Oh, I receive the grace of God. I receive the love of God. I, you know, I am saved. I am saved. It's almost like the name and claim it crowd to say, by his stripes, I am healed. I receive the Ferrari in my in my driveway tomorrow morning. Presumption, presumption. Oh, I hear the voice of God. Look how mighty I am that God speaks to me. Look at, I mean, look at Moses. If he's speaking to, if I have found grace in your sight. What do you mean, if Moses? You're standing there face to face with God. You have seen more of the power and the glory and the majesty and the presence of God than billions of others would never see that. If if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. What? Show me your way. What after? 
after you have received the commandments of God on Mount Sinai and heard the voice of God instructing you, if I have found grace in your, in your sight, show me now your way. Why would, why would Moses say this? It's humility. It's, it's, it's utter humility. Utter humility. So, I have the ways of God. I know the ways of God. I have the grace of God. God loves me. God is, you know, uh, God chose me. Look where God put me. Look at the authority of God. No. If I found grace in your sight, show me your way. I know the grace. I know the way of God. I know the word of God. I know the Bible. I know this. Moses is like the opposite. It's like, I don't know. Reminds me of what people say. Like, well, I think it was the um, one of the an ancient philosophers as well. And I've had people say this to me as well, face to face. They say, the more that you know, the more that you know that you don't know. The more, the wiser you become, the more you realize how much you don't know. The wiser you are, the more you realize how much you are missing and how much you don't get it. I have found, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Look at this. That I may know you. He did not, uh, Exodus thirty-three thirteen. Moses did not claim that he knew God. He did not boldly, proudfully, arrogantly go around saying, I know God. He's like, I don't know. I don't know God. God, I want to know you. Now, if Moses, if Moses prayed like this, how much more should we pray like this? If Moses prayed like this, how much more should we pray like this? If I have found mercy with the Lord, if I have found grace in your sight, Lord, show me your way. Moses had more than what we got, really. I mean, again, he had, he had direct access face-to-face with God. Nobody else did. If I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. Very humble. Very, very humble. Back to Hosea chapter 6. So let's learn. Let's press on to know the Lord. Let's learn. Let's press on to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. And he will come to us like the rain. As the spring rain waters the earth. What shall I do with you, Ephraim? What shall I do with you, Judah? For your loyalty is like a morning cloud. And like the dew which goes away early. Therefore, I have cut them in pieces by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And the judgments on you are like the light that shines. For I desire loyalty rather than sacrifice. I desire mercy. Or take pleasure. In loyalty rather than sacrifice. And the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. 
But like Adam, they have violated my covenant. There they have dealt treacherously with me. Gilead is a city doers tracked with bloody footprints. And as a band of robbers lie in wait for a person, so a band of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Certainly they have committed an act of infamy. In the house of Israel, I have seen a horrible thing. Ephraim's infidelity is there. Israel has defiled itself. Also, Judah, there is a harvest appointed for you. When I restore the fortunes of my people. Hosea chapter 7. When I would heal Israel, the wrongdoing of Ephraim is uncovered, and the evil deeds of Samaria, for they practice deception. The thief enters, a band of robbers attack outside, and they do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their deeds surround them. They are before my face. With, with their wickedness, they make the king happy and the officials with their lies. They are all adulterers, like an oven heated by the baker who st stops stoking the fire from the time the dough is kneaded until it is leavened. On, that, on the day of our king, the officials became sick with the, the heat of wine. He stretched out his hand with scoffers, for their hearts are like an oven as they approach their plotting. Their anger smolders all night. In the morning, it burns like flaming fire. All of them are hot like an oven, and they consume their rulers. All of their kings, all their kings have fallen. None of them calls on me. Ephraim is himself thrown about with the nations. Ephraim is, has become a round loaf, not turned over. Strangers devour his strength, yet he does not know it. Gray hairs also sprinkle on him. Excuse me, gray hairs are also sprinkled on him, yet he does not know it. Though the pride of Israel testifies against him, yet they have not returned to the Lord their God. See, that's what it's all about, returning to God. That's repentance, teshuva in the Hebrew. Nor have they sought him despite all this. So Ephraim has become like a gullible dove without sense. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. When they go, I will spread my net over them. I will bring them down like the birds of the sky. I will discipline them in accordance with my proclamation to their assembly. Woe to them, for they have stayed or strayed from me. Destruction is theirs, for they have rebelled against me. I would redeem them, but they have spoken lies against me. And they do not cry out to me from their hearts. When they wail on their beds for the sake of grain, the new wine, and new wine, they assemble themselves. They turn against me, although I trained and strengthened their arms. Yet they devise evil against me. They turn, but are not, uh, but not upward. They are like a loose bow. Their officials will fall by the sword. Because of the insolence of their tongue, this will be the derision of the, in the land of Egypt. Hosea chapter 8. Put the trumpet on your lips. Like an eagle, the enemy comes against the house of the Lord, because they have violated my covenant and rebelled against my law. They cried out to me, My God, we are, or we of Israel know you. 
Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have appointed officials, but I did not. With their silver and gold, they have made idols for themselves, so that they will be eliminated. He has rejected your calf, Samaria, so my anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? For from Israel comes even this. A craftsman made it, so it is not, so, so it is not God. Assuredly, the calf of Samaria will be broken to pieces, for they sow wind and they harvest a storm. The standing grain has no kernels, it yields no grain. If it were to yield, strangers would swallow it. Israel has been swallowed up. They are now among the nations like a vessel in which no one delights, for they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey all alone. Ephraim has paid fees for lovers, even though they pay for allies among the nations. I will gather them up now, and they will begin to diminish because of the burden of the king of officials. Since Ephraim has multiplied altars for sin, they have become altars of sinning for him. Though I wrote for him 10,000 precepts of my law, they are regarded as a strange thing. Let me just stop here for a second because this is very interesting. This is the only place I know, and again, I believe this is probably, uh, this is just hypothetically speaking probably, but this is the only place you ever have like enumerations of the laws or the precepts, right? Um, 10,000. Imagine 10,000 precepts of the Torah. They are regarded as a strange thing. And as, as for my sacrificial gifts, they sacrifice the flesh and eat it, but the Lord has taken no delight in them. Now he will remember their guilt and punish them for their sins. They will return to Egypt, for Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces. And Judah has multiplied fortified cities, but I will send a fire on its cities, and I will consume its palatial buildings. Hosea 9 Verse 1, do not rejoice, Israel, with jubilation like the nations, for you have been unfaithful, abandoning your God. You have loved the earnings of unfaithfulness on every threshing floor. Threshing floor and wine press will not feed them, and the new wine will fail them. They will not remain in the Lord's land, but Ephraim will return to Egypt, and Assyria, they will eat unclean food. They will not pour out drink offerings of wine to the Lord, nor will their sacrifices please him. Their bread will be to him like mourner's bread. All who eat it will be defiled, because their bread will be for themselves alone. It will not enter the house of the Lord. And stop here for a second again. Uh, nor, will their, nor will their sacrifices please him in the footnotes. They will offer to, they offer to him their sacrifices. Okay, nor will they offer to him their sacrifices. Verse 5. What will you do on the day of the appointed festival and on the day of the feast of the Lord? For behold, they, have gone, they will be gone 
because of destruction. Egypt will gather them together. Memphis will bury them. Weeds will take possession of their treasures of silver. Thorns will be in their tents. The days of punishment have come. The days of retribution have come. Let Israel know this. The prophet is a fool. The inspired person is insane because of the grossness of your wrongdoing and because of your hostility and because your hostility is so great. Ephraim was a watchman with my God, a, a prophet. Yet the snare is, excuse me, yet the snare of a bird catcher is in all his ways. And there is only hostility in the house of his God. They are deeply depraved, as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their guilt. He will punish their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on the fig tree in its first season. But they came to Baal Peor and devoted themselves to shame. And they became as testable, as detestable, as that which they loved. As for Ephraim, their glory will fly away like, like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them of their children until not a person is left. Yes, woe to them indeed when I depart from them. Ephraim, as I have seen, is planted in a pasture like Tyre. And Ephraim is going to bring out his children for slaughter. Give to them, Lord, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and a dried and dried up breasts. All their evil is at Gilgal. Indeed, I came to hate them there. Or excuse me. Yeah, I came to hate them there. Because of the wickedness of their deeds, I will drive them out from of my house. I will no longer love them. All their leaders are rebels. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They will produce no fruit. They, Even though they give birth to children, I will put to death the precious ones of their womb. My God will reject them because they have not listened to him. And they will be wanderers among the nations among the Gentiles. Hosea chapter 10. Israel is a luxuriant vine. He produces fruit for himself. The more his fruit, the more altars he made. The richer his land, the better he made the memorial stones. Their heart is deceitful. Now they must suffer for their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their memorial stones. Certainly now they will say, we have no king, for we do not revere the Lord. As for the king, what can he do for us? They speak mere words with worthless oaths. They make covenants and judgment sprouts like poisonous weeds in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria will fear for the calf of Beit Avain. Indeed, its people will mourn for it and its idolatrous priests will cry out over it, over glory, since it has, it has left it. The thing itself will be brought to Assyria, and a gift of tribute to King Yareb. 
Ephraim will seize, will be seized with shame. And Israel will be ashamed of its own plan. Samaria destroyed with her king like a twig on the surface of the water. Also, the high places of Avain, excuse me, the sin of Israel will be destroyed. Thorns and thistles will grow on their altars. Then they will say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Since the days of Gibeah, you have sinned, Israel. There they stand. The battle against the sons of injustice now overtake them in Gibeah. When it is my desire, I will discipline them. And the peoples will be gathered against them when they are bound for their double guilt. Ephraim is a trained heifer loves to thresh. And I, will, and I passed over her lovely neck. I will harness Ephraim. Judah will plow. Jacob will har- harrow him for himself. Sow for yourselves with a field. Excuse me. Sow for yourselves with a view to to righteousness. Harvest in accordance with kindness. Break up your uncultivated ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness. You have harvested injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you have tested, excuse me, because trusted in your way, in your might and your many warriors, and uproar, an uproar will arise among your people, and all your fortresses will be destroyed. As Shalman destroyed Beit Arbel on the day of battle, when mothers are were slaughtered with their children, so it will be done to you at Bethel because of your great wickedness. At dawn, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. Hosea Chapter 11. When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out, of Is- and out of Egypt, I called my son. And it's very interesting that it puts it like this. Now, a lot of people, a lot of Christians believe this is a prophecy of, of Jesus coming out of Egypt. Uh, when he went down to Egypt um, to escape Herod, when he was young, and then he came back up. But don't again, don't forget that Israel and Yeshua are like they're reflections of each other. One can say that Yeshua is Israel. And but Israel and Yeshua are reflections of each other, as God called Israel his son, right here. Verse two. The more they called them, the more they went away from them. They kept sacrificing to the Baals, and burning incense to idols. Yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I pulled them along with cords of a man, with ropes of love, and I became to them as one who lifts the yoke from their jaws. And I bent down and fed them. They will not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria, he will be their king because they refuse to return to me. And the sword will whirl against their cities and will destroy their oracle priests and consume them because of their counsels. So my people are determined to turn from me. 
though they call them the uh, though they call them to the one on high, none at all exalts him. In the footnotes, though they call, literally God's prophets, them to the one on high, literally him, that is Israel, none at all exalts him. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not carry out my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man. The Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. They will walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. Indeed, he will roar. And his sons will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will settle them in their houses, declares the Lord. Ephraim surrounds me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. Judah is still unruly against God, even against the Holy One who is faithful. Hosea chapter 12. Ephraim feeds on wind and pursues the east wind continually. He multiplies lies with violence. Moreover, he makes a covenant with Assyria, and oil is brought to Egypt. The Lord also has a case against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his mature strength, he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and implored his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. And the Lord, the God of armies, the Lord is his name. In the footnotes is his invocation. So as for you, return to your God, maintain kindness and justice, and wait for your God continually. A merchant in whose hands are fraudulent balances loves to exploit. And Ephraim said, I have certainly become rich. I have found wealth for myself. In all my labors they will find in me no wrongdoing, which would be sin. But I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt. I will make you live in tents again. Sukkot, right? Sukkot. As in the days of the appointed festival, the festival of Sukkot. I have also spoken to the prophets, and I provided many visions. And through the prophets, I spoke in parables. Is there injustice in Gilead? Certainly they are worthless. In Gilgal, they sacrifice bulls. Yes, their altars are like beside the furrows of a field. Now Jacob fled to the land of Aram. And Israel worked for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. 
But by a prophet, Lord brought Israel up from Egypt. And by a prophet, he, he was protected. Ephraim has provoked God to bitter anger. So his Lord will leave his guilt for bloodshed on him and bring his disgrace back to him. Hosea chapter 13. When Ephraim spoke, there was trembling. He exalted himself in Israel. But through Baal, he incurred guilt and died. And now they sin more and more and make for themselves cast metal images, idols skillfully made from their silver, all of them the work of craftsmen. They say of them, let the people who sacrifice kiss the calves. See, it's always calves. It's very interesting. Therefore, they will be like the morning cloud and like dew which soon disappears, like chaff which is blown away from the threshing floor, and like smoke from a chimney. Yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt, and you were not to know any God except me, for there is no Savior besides me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. As they had their pasture, they became satisfied. And as they became satisfied, their heart became proud. See, this is what always happens, right? You you notice this, and I I mentioned this several times, but you notice there is a cycle that humanity goes through. God blesses them, blesses them, blesses them, blesses. And the more they're blessed, the more comfortable they become. And the more comfortable they become, the more pride sets in. And pride sets in, sin sets in. When sin sets in, God's wrath sets in. God strikes them down, and then they 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 go down. They start again from from square one, so to speak. They start again from scratch, humble, humble. And because of their humility, because of their obedience, they're blessed. Right? Because of their obedience, they ble- they're blessed. And 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 then because they're so blessed, they become so proud. Pride sets in, and then sin sets in, and then God strikes them down again, back down to the bottom. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen self-dumping buckets. Um, first time I ever saw that was at, was at a, it was like an, a, an amusement park, and they had this huge bucket. It was like a huge bucket. It must have held hundreds of gallons, okay? And uh, there was uh, like a rod going through it, like a steel rod going through through the bucket, but it went through not in, it wasn't in the center of the bucket. It wasn't on the top. The bucket wasn't hanging from, from it. It went through the bucket, but it went through the bucket on an, like it it was on a, um, the center of gravity was off. It went through on an off. It's hard to explain it. Let's just say it. It went through the bucket, but not through the center of it, not through the set, like the the center of gravity would have been thrown off. And there's a, uh, like a pipe that water's continually filling up this bucket and it, it fills up, it fills up, it fills up. And when it gets, because the bucket is, is smaller at the bottom and, and wider at the top, it gets top heavy. And because that thing is off center, that axle, that rod, it dumps itself. And then after it dumps, when it's light, when the water all falls out of it, it comes, it, fl- it, it, it flings back up and then it, it gets filled up again. And then it's, it's like an ever, you know, keeps going all the time. 
you know, it fills up, fills up, and then it dumps because of the, it gets top heavy. It dumps and then flips back because it's empty and, and light again, and then fills up, fills up, fills up, and then dumps. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, that's just like, that's just like it is with, with humanity. Just like it is. God pours in his blessings, pours in his blessings until it gets, until people get top heavy because of their pride and they start sinning because of their sin. God has enough and boom. Time to strike them down. And as they become satisfied, their heart became proud. Now let me start again in verse six, uh, Hosea 13, verse six. As they had their pastor, they become satisfied. Okay, there's the blessing. There's the filling up of the bucket. And as they became satisfied, their heart became proud. Okay, it's about it's at the tipping point there. Therefore, they forgot me. So I will be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lie in wait by the wayside. I will confront them like a bear deprived of her cubs. <laughs> that's pretty fearsome. I'm telling you, when you uh, that's pretty fearsome. Um, you don't want God to be like that. Okay. And I will tear open their chests. I will also devour them there like a lioness. By the way, guys, this is the God, the same God, the God of love. This is the God where it says in the New Testament, God is love. Yes, God is love to those who love him and to those who obey his commands. But if you don't, He's like a bear robbed of her, of her cubs. I will also devour them like a lioness, as a wild animal would tear them to pieces. Verse 9, it is to, to your own destruction, Israel, that you are against me, against your help. This reminds me of so many, so many times, people, I, I'm, there's people that come in my life sometimes and I try to help them, but they're against it. They're against my help. They don't want my help for some reason, although they need it desperately. Where then is your king that he might save you in all your cities and all your judges to whom you said, give me a king and a and princess? I gave you a king in my anger and you took him away, excuse me, and took him away in my wrath. The guilt of Ephraim is wrapped up his sin is stored up. The pains of childbirth come on him. He is not a wise son, for it is not the time that he should delay at the opening of the womb. Shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol? Shall I redeem them from death? Death, where are your thorns? Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion will be hidden from my sight. Though he flourishes among the reeds, an east wind will come, the wind of the Lord coming up from the wilderness, and his fountain will become dry, and his spring will dry up. It will plunder his treasury in every precious article. Samaria will pay the penalty for her, her guilt because she has rebelled against her God. They will fall by the sword. Their children will be slaughtered. And their pregnant women will be ripped open. Very, very, very horrific there. Hosea chapter 14, verse 1. Return. Again, we got return to Shuva, repentance. Chapter 14, verse 
verse 2 in Hebrew, return Israel to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your wrongdoing. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all guilt and receive us gracious, graciously, so that we may present the fruit of our lips. Assyria will not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say again, our God, to the work of our hands. For for you, excuse me, I should read that. Nor will we, nor nor will we say again, our God, to the work of our hands. For in you, the orphan finds mercy. The orphan in the footnotes, the fatherless found find mercy. We see this throughout the scriptures as well. It's so important. The fatherless is very close to the heart of God. Verse four. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely because my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily and he will take root from, uh, like the cedars of Lebanon. His shoots will sprout. His majesty will be like the olive tree and his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Those who live in his shadow will again rise again and they will blossom like the vine his fame will be like the vine of lebanon ephraim what more have i to do with idols it is i who sir and look after you i am like a luxuriant juniper from me comes your fruit Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous will walk in them, but wrongdoers will stumble in them. Amen and amen. So that concludes our reading for tonight. That, that also concludes the book of Hosea. And I got another question here in TikTok about the deity of Jesus. Jose, are you there, Jose? And Andrea, Andre, Andrea, are you there? On TikTok, let me know. Vita says, Shalom all. Shalom, Vita. Good to see you. Welcome. Blessings. Blessings, blessings to you and yours. Let's see what we have over here in the chat for questions. Again, you can put at Christopher uh, to get my attention there in the question in the live chat. Travis says at, uh, in Aramaic, who preaches the word of truth straightforwardly. Is that are you talking? You talking about? Um, yeah, Paul's letter. To huh, that's that's amazing. That's great. Paul's letter to Timothy saying, you know, rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, who uh, who preaches the word of truth straightforwardly? That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, love it. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, that's the way it should. That's the way it should read. Yes, Jamie, out of uh, on the third day, out of Egypt. 
I'm calling my son. Yes, I see that. Going nowhere, ask a question. Do you think Paul's letters are written were written before any of the any of the gospels? That's what they say. Yeah, the Paul's letters were the um at least some of them were. At least some of them were, if not all of them, uh written before the gospels. You see, this is the, this is one of the reasons why um Paul made I say this and I still say this. I I as far as I understand, um we probably know more about Jesus than Paul did. A lot of people would go, how could you dare say that? Well, because we got the Gospels. Paul didn't have the Gospels. That's why he never mentioned the virgin birth. Why didn't he mention the virgin birth? The Gospels were not written at that time. And he's preaching the Gospel to these people. He's writing what Christians claimed to be the word of God to these people. Why didn't he mention the virgin birth? Why didn't he mention any of the miracles? Why didn't he mention the baptism? The, you know, the, the, the spirit of God coming upon Yeshua saying, behold my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why didn't he mention that? Why didn't he say anything about that? He probably didn't know anything about it. Why didn't he mention any of, again, I mean, <laughs> much of the Gospels, he didn't, he didn't preach. Why didn't he really say anything? He didn't preach. He did not relay any of the teachings of Jesus really at all. I mean, what Jesus actually taught, like the Sermon on the Mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Or, um, I mean, anything in regards to Yeshua, what Yeshua taught about salvation. He didn't say much of any, anything about it. So it's really interesting. Thank you for asking. Going nowhere. Okay. Um, so just last call for questions. I'm sorry if I have not, if I did not get to any of your questions yet, it's probably because you don't have at Christopher. Okay. I'm just looking at the last ones right now. So if, if I missed your any of your comments, any of your questions earlier, my apologies. It's just it's, it's so much, and I uh, just put at Christopher in it to get my attention. Although I am looking at the more the most recent ones here. Perfectly confident says um, the Gospels were written in third person. That's curious. Uh, Pamela says finished Hosea this morning. Love it now. Didn't feel like. Didn't feel like that the other times I read it. Wow, it's awesome! It's awesome. Yeah, I, I've I, I totally uh, I can relate to that. Some of these books, some of these passages, it's like you can read them over and over again, like twenty times, and then it's like the twenty-first time, it's like, wow, I got a completely uh, different thing from it. It's like it just it just come to life. Caballero says, um, "Thank you for today's Bible reading. It was amazing. Good night. See you tomorrow. You too as well, Caballero. Thank you very much." Jamie asked a question. What's the what is the correct decree for the starting point of the seventy weeks? Sorry, Jamie, I'm not sure what you're asking. Great deception says, "Thank you, uh, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. Thank you very much. Great deception. It's been a pleasure as always. Blessings multiplied back to you." Alex says, in Revelation, where it says. Whoever doesn't teach the commands will be called least 
in the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean, hell? Um, okay, so actually it's in Matthew chapter 5. Those, I unless, I'm trying to think now. I think you're talking about Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, if you break the least of these commandments and teach others to do so, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Does, so the question is, does that mean hell? Very good question. Um, so he doesn't specify that. So, I mean, that's not definitive. So, but it, it, on the other hand, he doesn't specify that those, those people are actually in the kingdom of heaven either. It's just that they will be called the least in the kingdom. So that the people that are in the kingdom of heaven will be called the least, or will call them the least. They will be the, they will be the least of all. Okay? Um, so it depends on how you look at it. Taking the word of God at face value, it's like if you break the command, if you break the the instructions of the Father, I mean, you can't, you don't really have much, you know, good things to look forward to, that's for sure, in your future. Pamela says, what, thank you very much, by the way, Alex, uh, for, uh, for the question, very good question. Um, Pamela asked the question, what are you reading tomorrow? I am not sure yet, Pamela. Thank you for asking. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, there's a number of different things that can, uh, might happen. We'll see what what, what happens. Anyway, I'm, I I wish I could answer that question for you, Pamela. Um, but uh, Lord, whatever the Lord has for us, we'll take it. Okay, that's 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 all I can say. I don't really don't really have anything in stone for tomorrow. On TikTok, Marion says, read Luke 24, 27. Could you please quote that and post it, please? Makes it a lot easier for me. I mean, just take a copy and paste, whatever it is, and, and post that up here for me, if you don't mind. Kingdom Concepts, Brother Pete says, that's, that is Matthew 5, 19. That means they will not be in the kingdom. Okay, so that's one way of looking at it. It depends on how you, it's one of these things. It's like, is it talking about the, the people in heaven will view this person as being the least? Or that person will be included, but still be the least. You know what I mean? So it depends on how people look at it. Whatever which way you look at it, it's certainly not a good place to be in. Certainly not a good place to be in. We don't want to be there. One John says, thank you, Christopher, and blessings. Thank you very much. One John, blessings multiplied back to you. Thank you very much. Alex says, thanks. And Great Deception says, hit that like button. Hit the like button. Yes, thank you very much, Great Deception. I appreciate it. Yes, don't forget to hit the like button uh, as we wrap it up tonight. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with that passage, Brother uh, Pete. First uh, Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Very, very important passage. It's very similar to Galatians 19. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. Very similar. Yes, so it is. Yeah, it's very good. Thank you very much, brother. Okay, guys, uh, that'll be it for tonight. Thanks again. You guys are awesome. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, thanks for your questions and your comments and your fellowship. Uh, it's, 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 been, it's been a great time. Okay, guys. Until tomorrow, we'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing, same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. On Saturday, we uh, will be starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, okay? 2 p.m., that's New York time. Um, and then back on Sunday at 7 p.m. So Sunday through Friday, six days a week, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern.
So make sure you're subscribed if you're not or following if you're not yet. So awesome. Okay, guys. Thanks again, guys. And I appreciate each one of you. Um, As always, I'll pray for you and we'll see you tomorrow. Okay. I pray that each one of you that are within the sound of my voice, even those who are on the podcast, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.